Do you know why you have the right to remain silent or as some call it, plead the fifth? This is because if you're stopped by a cop or someone in law enforcement and they ask you anything, they can basically say anything they want at trial and the jury is going to believe them over you. You could say, I, I never told the cop that. And the cop's going to say, that's not true. They did. And the jury is going to be like, well, we trust the police more. Thus, you're advised to say nothing. It could just be that the cop got their memory wrong. But the reality is the public trusts the police more than they trust you. And that's a problem here. Makes holding some of these cops accountable very difficult. But the reality is when it comes to the police, the public does not want them abolished, defunded, and they do typically trust them. And this is why it was so strange to me to see the Democrats supporting the protests and tacitly supporting the riots, then later on literally joining in the riots like Mayor Ted Wheeler of Portland, a Democrat. Because when you show images of this stuff to people, they're going to recoil in horror. When they see law enforcement marching through the streets, they think these people are doing good. Now, of course, sentiment as it pertains to the police has gone down following the Black Lives Matter protests at the end of May. But since the riots have intensified, opposition has started growing. And it was very funny to me to see Democrats not understanding that regular people do not like riots. In fact, most of them don't even like protests, let alone do they engage in any of these behaviors. But the Democrats wanted to support this movement. And to a certain degree, it did make sense. In the long run, it's hurt them. What I see from Democrats, for the most part, the, po- the politicians, mind you, they are people waiting downstream and watching what the culture does. Trump is actually running against the media, though many Democrats are, you know, look, the media, as, as far as I'm concerned, they overlap with the Democrats. Many in media are actively trying to help Democrats get elected and Democrats just take their cues from the media. The problem is journalists, editors, whatever, they often ignore stories that they think would hurt them and help Trump. Because of this, regular people who have been witnessing the riots, the ongoing protests, the damage, the destruction, the injuries are getting angry, scared, and now voicing their support for Donald Trump, or at least their opposition to Black Lives Matter. And finally, finally, those in media realized, hey, wait a minute, regular people don't like this stuff. Maybe we should call it out. But what do we do? If we call out the riots, then people are going to be like, maybe Trump is right about law and order. I got it. Let's claim Donald Trump himself is encouraging and making the riots happen. I kid you not. This is where it has come. No, the reality is the rioting has been backfiring miserably on Democrats because they're late to the party, because they pay too much attention to their sycophants in media who are trying to fan the flames of the Democratic Party and ignore what's really happening. And thus, the Democrats will suffer for it. Mayor Ted Wheeler will march with them. We will see city councilwoman in Seattle march with the rioters to the homes of politicians, no less. We will see Mayor Bill de Blasio support the riots, saying, well, they have their free speech, and it's a historic moment. Meanwhile, businesses are being destroyed, and people are struggling, and they are begging for help. And unfortunately, there is only one person offering it up, and it's Donald Trump. And guess what? The media still lies. Trump isn't even really offering to send federal agents to help local uh, to, to help the people. He's saying if local law enforcement wants to do their job, they can reach out and he will assist them. Other than that, he's just protecting federal buildings. 
Which brings me to the first story as we go into the shifting narrative. You see, the media has decided to change the game. It is, in fact, Donald Trump's fault. All of this is happening because he secretly wanted it, says one anonymous source. I kid you not. This is the name of the game. They finally realized they were losing it, and now they're panicking. You see, the other day I said, and I was right, that Donald Trump was winning the propaganda war. And now I'm proud to say because (laughs) I'm just going to say I was right. And because they're losing the propaganda war, they're flipping the narrative and trying to claim Trump is making it worse. Or at the very least, you get people like Nadler saying Antifa is a myth. That's right. Because the media told him it was. You see how late to the party he is? I'm sorry, Mr. Nadler, because the media has flipped the narrative. You got MSNBC, The Washington Post saying, actually, it is pretty violent, but it's Trump's fault. Uh Oh, but Jerry just said Antifa doesn't exist. Okay, they're different things, mind you. Antifa could not exist and there could be violence, but you get the point. Let's read the news and see what's going on and how finally we are seeing a crack in the narrative. The desperation is real. Before we get started, however, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give, but the best thing you can do is actually just subscribe. Normally I say share the video. It really does help as well. But I noticed when I check my analytics, half the people who watch my videos aren't even subscribed. Sounds kind of crazy, right? So seriously, please consider subscribing to make sure you do get access to my videos when they go up every day at 4 p.m. Hit the like button, hit the notification bell. Let's read this first story. And, and the reason I'm highlighting this story from Flecka is that it shows the Democrats are downstream from the media, that they have no idea what's really going on. And that's why they are so late to this party. Rep. Jerry Nadler calls violence from Antifa in Portland a myth. Flecka says, I ran into Jerry Nadler in D.C. and asked him to disavow the Antifa violence riding in Portland. His response, that's a myth. 2.2 million views. Really excellent work from Flecka. If you're not familiar, he is a personality YouTuber, commentator, and he does a really good job of being calm and reasonable when he asks people questions. In this instance, he very politely and calmly asked Democrat Nadler about Antifa. And what did he what did we hear? It's a myth. It's a myth. Okay, well, It's pretty bad for Nadler because now I bring you to this story from the Washington Post. Violent protest clashes turned Portland into a right wing boogeyman. Here's how it happened. I don't care to read too much into this. The point they're trying to make is that there's been violent clashes in Portland. You see, they were slowly starting to recognize they could not keep lying. But then but then the dam broke and it broke relatively recently. Take a look at this from ABC News. I love it. Protesters in California set fire to a courthouse, damaged a police station, and assaulted officers after a peaceful demonstration intensified. Peaceful demonstration intensified. Amazing work. Amazing. You see, ABC was reticent to say, ooh, are we going to use the riot word? They call what's going on the George Floyd protests. I disagree. I think the riots have clearly overshadowed everything. These are the George Floyd riots. And I mean, no disrespect. That's just what the left has turned it into. Now, take a look at this. This is where it gets fun. Joe Scarborough, responding to the story from ABC News, says much of what is happening in Seattle, Portland and other West Coast cities is not peaceful. Trump's dangerous application of federal force has elicited the response he and Barr were hoping for. Further escalation of violence from protesters is what Donald Trump wants. Here's Lanny Davis. Violent protesters lighting fires using violence in Portland should wear real Donald Trump buttons. That is who they are helping. 
Progressives in Portland need to call them out, including the mayor. Retweet, please. Don't allow violent people help real Donald Trump. I actually agree. Call them out. Stop them if you want to stand up to him. But you can see now how someone like Lanny Davis, who is White House special counsel, co-founder of the Davis Goldberg and Galper firm, blah, 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 is now starting to recognize how the violence is making them look. Then we have Gary Kasparov. Now, he's just a chess guy. And this one was funny to me. He says, as is often the case with authoritarians, the stated goal is the opposite of the real goal. Trump wants war, not law and order. He wants chaos and fear up until Election Day. Those still committing violence and destruction in the streets are happy to help Trump. It's not an accident. They would be marginalized by Biden while rage against Trump justifies every excess. Yes, my friends, you have finally seen it. They are literally claiming. Check this out. Operation Diligent Valor. Trump showcased federal power in Portland, making a culture war campaign pitch. They are literally trying to claim now that the far leftists, the extremists who are showing up, some pretend to be medics, some pretend to be journalists, and then lobbing explosives at federal officers in a courthouse are doing it at the behest of Trump. You see, according to an anonymous source cited here by the, Wash- by, by the Washington Post only a couple days ago, Trump wanted this war. They wanted to, how can we make it happen? And thankfully, Antifa stepped up and said, we got you, Trump. We're going to do whatever you want. Seriously? No way. The far left is doing what the far left has always done, even before Donald Trump. I've been covering this stuff for nearly a decade. I've experienced far left violence. They physically attacked me several times during Occupy Wall Street. Donald Trump wasn't secretly pulling the strings of the far left to make everybody demand law and order when I got physically attacked. No, Donald Trump is not the cause of these problems. He is a symptom of the greater culture war. People finally saying enough. We're tired of the PC. We want someone, someone who's different, an outsider to change things. They voted for Donald Trump. Now, he won, he, won, uh, he, he won by good margins in the Electoral College, but in some states by very thin margins. We'll see how things play out in November. But I think now people are starting to realize this is the doing of the Democrats who have ignored, supported, and even joined in the Black Lives Matter protests, which eventually became full-blown riots, and they still chose to ignore it all. Check this out. They say, as statues of Confederate generals, enslavers, and other icons tumbled from their pedestals amid protests last month, President Trump issued an executive order meant to break the cascade. It enlisted the Department of Homeland Security, created in the wake of September 11th, and, uh, to protect the country against external threats, to defend U.S. monuments, blah, blah. Listen, what, what they're trying to do, they're trying to conflate DHS as some kind of like anti-terror protective unit while ignoring the fact that the federal officers in Portland are Customs and Border Protection, we've always had border police. U.S. Marshals, we've always had U.S. Marshals. Okay, not always, literally, but they've been around for a really, really long time. We also have Federal Protective Services, Federal Police, and we have ICE, which again, CBP and ICE, basically the same thing. All of these jobs have existed before. The existence of the Department of Homeland Security is not some evil conspiracy. It's literally just making, it unified these, these different divisions under one authority to make it easier to manage. Of course, they're still going to play, play up this narrative that Trump wanted this. Check it out. They say, the order signaled Trump's eagerness to mobilize federal power against a societal upheaval that has coursed through America since George Floyd's death. He sought to frame and create a culture war, right versus left, right versus wrong, and was taking a stand at the monuments that some view as historical homages and many views as symbols of oppression. Um, 
Are you talking about Mount Rushmore, where Donald Trump literally took his stand? Or are you referring to his figurative stand in defending Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and Ulysses S. Grant, which he specifically named in his speech? You see how they frame this. But Trump's June 26 declaration came too late. The momentum of the protests was fading in many U.S. cities and confrontation between federal authorities and civilians were becoming less frequent. Then Trump found Portland, according to administration and campaign officials. Oh, please. Still restive, the West Coast city, with a long tradition of protest as a subculture of anarchism, was staging peaceful mobilizations as well as smaller nightly clashes with authorities. Militant black clad demonstrators were directing their anger to large federal courthouse downtown. Peacefully, I guess, right? Washington Post? No, they were lobbing explosives, cans of beans. I kid you not. They're literally throwing cans of beans at federal officers. I am not joking. The AP published the photos. There's a big basket with cans of beans. Yeah, they can hurt. They can be heavy. But they were starting fires. And just recently, they found mag- loaded magazines, rifle magazines of some sort, and Molotov cocktail materials. According to Bellingcat, as I've cited over and over again, it wasn't until July 4th, the 39th day of rioting, when Antifa breached into the courthouse that we finally saw a major federal response. So what? Trump was ignoring all of this? You see, what's wrong with this narrative is that Trump had looked weak for so long. And even to this day, he's not actually engaging the rioters. Oh, they'll tell you Trump is sending out all of these federal agents across the country. Yes, criminal investigative divisions, the FBI to assist in investigations and only a few hundred. The FBI already exists in many locations. He's just bolstering investigative resources. You are not going to see these armed camo, you know, feds marching through your streets unless your streets are literally around the federal courthouse, because even the left acknowledges this is a small contained area in Portland, though many people are still fed up because it can stretch somewhere around 12 blocks. But they are doing it to defend the courthouse in Seattle. Federal law enforcement were deployed to defend federal property, and they did not come out as the far left was throwing explosives and injuring officers. But they want to make it seem that way, sinking in the polls over his handling of covid. Trump seized a chance to appear as a field general in a wider American cultural conflict over racial justice, police misconduct, and the reexamination of American history and monuments. In Portland, he found a theater for his fight. So what they're really saying is that in Portland, violent extremists had been bombarding and attacking this federal courthouse. And Trump finally said, after 39 days, okay, now I'll do something. Sorry, no, Trump was looking weak. And he finally stepped up. Maybe his real plan was to let it fester so that people would see this and demand law and order. That's what I've talked about quite a bit. I've said it over and over again. And what do we get at the same time as we see this narrative that Donald Trump is finally, finally stepping up, but it's because he wants it. What does NBC publish? I'm, I can't look, man, I'm sorry. I think most of these organizations are just trying to get Democrats elected. Not every single one, There's some really great journalists. A journalist for the AP published a really, really amazing story showing what the police were going through, their injuries, and they really did embrace both sides of the conflict. It was excellent reporting. Take a look at this. NBC News says an increasing percentage of plans and attacks in the U.S. are linked to far right activity, expert says. I don't care what an expert says. What does that expert have to do with breaking news of what's going on right now? And why are you going to talk to far right experts when the far left has been besieging federal property for two months? In the article, they actually show an image of peaceful right wing pro Second Amendment activists. I kid you not. There was no violence. They stood there. 
They sang whatever they chanted and they left peaceful. Literally, that's what they show. That's the real threat, they say. Is what I tweeted. Incredible. Showing photos of peaceful right wing pro 2A protesters while we are in 60 plus days of violent rioting from the far left. Around 30 people have died in the George Floyd riots so far, but this is the news we get from NBC. Bravo. Really, really great job. I'm, I'm going to start getting really angry in a moment as I bring you to the next portion of this, of this segment, the destruction of small business and the tacit support and even willful support from Democrats, the regular people having their lives destroyed. But first, let me show you reality. Civ IQ. 133,000 responses. Do you support or oppose Black Lives Matter? And as we can see, since the riot started, opposition has been going up. I'm sure Trump knows it. And maybe that's why after 39 days around July 4th, when opposition was already at 34%, he said, okay, okay, let's finally send in these feds to actually do something about it. And since then, opposition has only increased by two points. No, I'm sorry. Trump actually wasn't doing anything. He wasn't. So you can claim he wanted a theater for his fight. He wasn't doing it. People were already upset with Black Lives Matter. Trump didn't need to send these people out to earn support. He's doing it to protect his buildings. And yes, I'm sure he's saying, well, you know what? At least I'll do something about it. But guess what? Many people have said high profile conservatives let the cities rot in Seattle, where they tied the hands of the police in New York, where they defunded police in Minneapolis, where they disbanded the police. And in Atlanta, where an officer defending himself from someone about to fire a weapon at him, a taser, he he fired in self-defense, is now facing felony murder charges in the face of all of this. Many people have said, let the cities fester. These people voted for it. Let them. Why should Trump intervene? And guess what? Trump has not intervened. I kid you not. He hasn't. Now, I've praised the Garden of Heroes thing he announced and that he's going to be sending out federal law enforcement to protect federal property. But Trump is not intervening in local law. And you can argue he should. They're trying to make you think that he wants to, but he's not even doing it. So 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 say whatever you want. The reality is. All of this, the destruction, it's now in the Democrats. I know, I know. I'm going to show you, though. Of course, you're going to say, many of you will say Tim is biased. He just doesn't like the Democrats. Listen, I've never been a fan of the Republicans. I think many of them are ineffectual and lazy do-nothings. There's only a small handful, I think, do do actually do a good job. But the reality is the Democrats are all the same. There's a few progressives I can respect for standing up to the establishment, but I think they got crazy ideas and they support this stuff. So I'll tell you what. I don't know what to tell you, man. What are they waiting for? Owners of riot damaged businesses lament aid delays. They're still struggling to rebuild after and, uh, and share their frustrations over the failure to pass legislation that would have put much needed cash in their hands. Well, you can thank the Democrats for that one. In Oregon, downtown Portland businesses de- derailed by pandemic say protests present new challenge. That's right. As many people will say, it's not a big deal what's happening in Portland because it's only affecting a small 12 block radius. The whole city is fine. So what about the people trapped here? What about the businesses that work here? What about their lives? Do their lives not matter? Their lives do matter. And people don't want to go downtown anymore because of the constant violence and the protests and the riots. And they're telling us this. The Oregonian Live is no right wing publication. In fact, it leans to the left. But business owners are saying this is the challenge we're faced with. Over at the the New York Times, the virus turns Midtown into a ghost town, causing an economic crisis. 7,500 workers are missing from famous buildings. A food cart sells 10 hot dogs a day. The virus's effect on one block could be an omen 
for the city's future. Now, I, I know, I know, I know. This is COVID related. I know. But I still want to highlight the economic devastation in cities like New York under Democratic leadership. But feel free to ignore this for the greater point. There's a reason why I didn't save this for last. It's because I want to show you a more important story. Seattle. Seattle business owners feel abandoned by the city they once loved. There's a lawsuit against the city because they were literally abandoned because the police weren't there to help them because the Chaz existed. And because many businesses eventually, some were, were claiming they were getting you know, shaken down by protesters, other, others argued it never happened. Well, they're suing now, these people, because the mayor said it was going to be a summer of love because Mayor Ted Wheeler in Portland joined in as they were rioting. Guess what? Ted Wheeler joined in. They were lobbing explosives at the building. As soon as he leaves, within half an hour, he's the police commissioner, mind you. The police declared it a riot. That means he was there speaking in support of the demands of rioters attacking a building. What do you think these people are saying to themselves right now as they witness all of this? Well, I'll make it one step. I'll I'll level it up. Here you go. Protesters march to Seattle Mayor Durkin's house as chop scene continues. Seattle City Council member Kashama Sawant joined a large group of protesters and they marched to this house in Seattle. You literally have a Democratic politician on the city council joining in. Well, you know, to be fair, maybe she's not a Democrat, but she's certainly a leftist politician joining in. So I say that because sometimes they're unaffiliated, whatever. The point is, when the politicians are joining in, do you think they'll get reelected? I have to imagine the answer is no. Or how about when she says Seattle council member rips brutality of American capitalism for endangering peaceful protesters? They'll say it 50 billion times. Peaceful, 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 peaceful. That is just absolutely not true. They're not peaceful. Some of them have been. That's fine. And I've had people say to me, Tim, why won't you talk about the peaceful protesters? Because I have, first of all. And why don't I dedicate a whole segment to saying there's only peaceful protesters? Because the peaceful protesters are linking arms and protecting the extremists. Thus, they become accomplices to violent riots. Now, I've mentioned this before. Many of the peaceful protesters leave when the violence starts. Why won't they stand up and stop any of these people? Why won't they? Do, we, we've seen the video before where the Antifa guys banging on the sidewalk, pulling up bricks, and they grab the dude and hand him over to police. What happened to that? Now, the wall of moms and vets are linking arms and protecting them. The mayor is coming out and protecting them. I'm sorry. I don't care to call them peaceful protesters. And to these critics, I say, I have routinely praised When the Portlanders went out and laid down in the street with their hands behind their backs, that was a peaceful protest. I have I have defended the right to civil disobedience, which included the graffiti and of those who are splashing paint on Black Lives Matter murals. Civil disobedience, I think, is the appropriate action. It's where the line is. You get in trouble, you get arrested, but nobody gets hurt. Right. So you get your point across and you pay for you. You take responsibility. But now these these politicians have joined in. Let me show you this. This one strikes close to me, New Jersey. Governor Phil Murphy joins in Black Lives Matter protest in New Jersey. June 7th, around the height of the violent rioting and looting. And what were they doing? In defiance of their own lockdown orders, they had joined in. How could they be so late to the party? I just don't understand. And now people are just suffering. Blocked the bridge and an old white couple refused to turn around like everybody else. So we'll keep them company. And this is an image of people standing in front of a vehicle blocking some elderly people from trying to move. Here's one. Black Lives Matter mob attacks white woman's car in D.C. are now attempting to dox her. That's right. They were blocking a street. And this woman 
decided to drive through a gas station to go around them. So they ran up and jumped on her car because the intention is to suppress you, to withhold your right to movement and to oppress you. That's what they want. They want you to feel pain. So what do you think happens after all of this? Here's a story from Reuters on Chicago's South Side. Some violence weary residents open to federal investigators. Oh, investigators, says Reuters. You see, when the story becomes the people of Chicago are begging Trump for help. They no longer say Trump's secret police, not to drag Reuters. Reuters tends to do a good job. But you don't hear the narrative from the main, the, the larger mainstream leftist publications about Trump's secret police when it's locals in Chicago saying we welcome the federal investigators to help us deal with these problems. I am a former Chicagoan. I grew up there, as most of you know. And I personally would love to see a, just a blanket of federal law enforcement I would not be opposed to the National Guard being deployed in some areas. I, I, and I kid you not, I would say I would not be opposed. I'd question a deployment as such. But based on the things I've seen growing up, these things should not be normal. The existence of law enforcement is not suppressing or oppressing anybody. They're allowed to exist and walk around and do their thing. The oppression of your rights is when they unlawfully detain you, arrest you. Showing up to a riot and getting arrested is not oppression. Law enforcement defending a courthouse is not oppression. And for too long, the Democrats have been openly supporting all of this and opposition is skyrocketing. The backfire has already happened and it's only getting worse. And now they are trying to flip the narrative and claim, oh, oh, this is Trump doing it on purpose. That's the best they have to offer offer because they realized, oops, people actually don't like riots. How about that? I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at youtube.com slash Timcast News at 6 p.m. And I will see you all then. Yesterday in Portland, police found a backpack full of loaded rifle magazines and Molotov cocktails. And we also had a story about a man who allegedly, allegedly tried to drive through or over Blue Lives Matter protesters. The day before, we had a guy in Eugene, Oregon, get out of his truck and point a gun at Antifa. And another Antifa guy pointed a gun right back in his face. And they both told each other to back down. This is how spicy things are getting. And we even have, I I don't think I can show the photo, but in Eugene, Oregon, somebody held a gun in the air and fired. And you can see this all going down. Things are starting to heat up. I mean, mean, they've already been relatively hot, but this is an escalation. Now, I just want to tell you something. Look, it's getting boring. And I think a lot of people probably don't care at this point because it's kind of just a daily play-by-play of what we already know is going on with incremental escalation. The problem is, the reason why I'm going to keep covering these things and talking about it is that when the, when the protests reached an apex, when the riots reached an, reached an apex, I got to be careful about, you know, it's a riot in early June. A lot of news organizations were glued to it because it was generating a ton of ratings. Over time, when the riots started to die down a little bit and they were still ongoing, but smaller, and there was still some looting and a lot of protests, the media stopped covering it, giving the impression to people nothing was happening anymore. You see, here's how it works. You read a news article that says, you know, people are rioting and you go, oh, whoa, what's happening? The next day, it's like, now there's even more rioters. Now there's even more destruction. Now the whole city is on fire. The next day, it's smaller group, smaller group, smaller group. And because things seem like they're calming down, people get bored. They stop clicking. News organizations say, we got to find something else to keep that addiction going. And then even though the riots are still happening, like they've been in Portland and I've been covering it, the media won't talk about it because they're like, can we complain about Trump again? Because, you know, we're not getting a whole lot of clicks on this stuff. 
So now you hear from people like Jerry Nadler. Antifa is a myth, he says, after the police find magazines and Molotov cocktails in Portland. Things are getting spicy. Antifa is a myth, Jerry Nadler says, after a, a, a dude pulls a gun on a driver, or I should say the driver pulled the gun first, and then the dude draws his gun back. We are dangerously close to two civilians firing live ammo on each other. I mean, actually, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was that was wrong. It already happened for the most part in Austin. Now, we do have an update on what happened in Austin. For those that have been following, there was a man named Garrett. He had an AK-47 and he walked up to a car. The driver shot him. According to police, uh, Garrett with the rifle did not fire. So the speculation going around the internet was that you initially hear five shots and they're very loud. Then you hear three shots and they're quiet. According to Garrett's mother, uh, her son was shot three times. So a lot of people are saying that must be it. Garrett fired five rounds. The driver returned fire. According to police, that is not what happened. Police say that Garrett never fired his rifle. The driver shot, hitting him, and then someone else returned fire, presumably on the car. Both of those people had been arrested by the police. The police released them both as they uh, pending the, the conclusion of an investigation. But let's read about what's going on here with finding Molotovs and magazines. Now, listen, I'm not sure if finding rifle magazines is like, oh, oh, let, let me rephrase. If somebody was carrying rifle magazines, I'm pretty sure they're well within their rights in Oregon to do this. I believe Oregon is open carry. I'm not entirely sure. However, planting rifle magazines, I'm very confident is extremely illegal, especially considering there were Molotov cocktails in them. My, my, my friends, man, we are getting dangerously close. We already had, I think it was Tacoma last year, that avowed Antifa guy who built a ghost, a ghost AR, show up to an ICE facility throwing Molotovs. And I believe he was shooting at him. He got shot and killed. He didn't, he didn't hurt anybody. He was unsuccessful, but did torch a vehicle. There's no reason for us to assume things are going to be calming down. And this is why I kept telling people we are getting dangerously close. Okay. When you see somebody show up at a nice, this is the problem I have with the media and why, why I'm highlighting this, why, why it needs to be talked about. No, how many people do you know heard about that guy, was in William Van Spronson or whatever, who showed up to the ICE facility with Molotovs and, and, and a gun and was trying to burn the building down? Mind you, the building was full of people, including immigrants. How many of your friends, how many people you know actually heard that story? I'd be willing to bet very few. But see, when I see a story like that, and I think the protesters came back, came back after this overt act of terror. Escalation is the only likely the rage won't stop. People are going on Twitter. They're riling each other up. They're getting angrier and angrier, and they want symbolic and emotional release. So they take, they attack symbols. They, they go to the ICE facility. They know nothing about what's really happening. They get their news from memes. They show up with a rifle and he attacks the ICE officers. He has no idea what their actual procedure is. And these other Antifa people show up and do the exact same thing. Okay, okay, not the exact same thing. But they show up with weapons and explosives and Molotovs, etc. When I see a story like that, and I've been tracking all of this stuff, and before this, it was street battles, I say, we're getting dangerously close to, you know, I don't know, domestic insurrection. You call it whatever you want. I'll be careful with my words. But I see a lot of people will say things like, Tim, you know what you're talking about? It's not really that bad. You're exaggerating. And then I, I wonder, is it because you don't follow the news as much as I do? I know most of you watching my show, you, you follow the news substantially more than the average person, to be fair. 
But then for me to actually produce these segments, I have to read news literally nonstop all day, every day, 16 hours a day. I'm not kidding. And that, well, four hours about uh, talking about the news. And then you have about 12 or so where I'm literally reading. Even when I'm not at my computer, when I'm like eating, eating my, my dinner or whatever, I'm scrolling through my phone, looking at news to see what's going on. I'm getting people texting me and messaging me stories and letting me know. I'm seeing all of it happen almost in real time. Now, it's fair to say that could create a bias because I'm hyper focused on these, you know, these extreme actions. But I think that's actually I, I, I would I would I would say it's incorrect that I am getting a skewed perspective for the most part. Let me explain. A lot of people aren't paying attention. They don't they don't know about this right now. They don't know about the Molotovs. They don't know about the, the rifle rounds. They don't know about the dude trying to run over Blue Lives Matter people. This guy got arrested, mind you, and charged with like multiple counts. Blue Lives Matter, try to run them over. They show you all these videos of cars trying to drive down the highway and they say, these, these Nazis, they're trying to run us over. And it's like, no, that's just some random lady trying to drive around you because she's going home. That's actually a story. I don't know if I have it pulled up, but there's a, a, a video of a, a bunch of protesters blocking the road. And then as this woman tries to drive around it, they jump on her car. That's not a Nazi. That's some regular old random lady. This dude trying to run people over, that was a targeted attack. So here's the point. A lot of people don't know what's happening. They, 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 take, they, they dip their toe in the pool to see you know, what, what's going on, and they watch a video. And they say, some, some guy found a bag of magazines and Tim's acting like the end of the world is coming. Oh, that's ridiculous. Tim, Tim, Tim's exaggerating. And what they don't know is all of the context before it. So here's my point, and we'll read this. What I'm saying is, I watch the news stories. The media stops covering things when people get bored and walk away. I don't. I keep reading it. And so what I'm seeing is, yes, I'm, I'm absolutely very focused on the escalation of violence, but I'm seeing each increment of escalation. And so I look at this and in my personal assessment, based on everything we've seen over the past four years, is that the next step will be some kind of escalation. What do you see in Portland? Now we are seeing rifle magazines and Molotovs left in bags. Why? We don't know, maybe to scare people, but th- that could be it. Or it could have been someone planning something and the federal law enforcement, uh, Portland police in this instance, are doing their jobs finally. And they did a sweep and they found it before someone could use this stuff. They've been setting fires. What do you think comes next if they don't stop setting fires? Well, what comes next is a quicker means to start fires. There's a video of a man fanning the flames in front of the courthouse. Okay, so if that happens... The next day they tried again. The next day they tried again and they're not stopping. I would argue they're determined. They want the fires. They refuse to back down. They're going to try and improve their methods of starting fires. Lo and behold, we figure out the police have discovered Molotov cocktails and rifle magazines. What can we assume from here? It could stop. It could just be just, just people. It just goes away. Sure. Make your bets. But based on the past determination, based on people like Spronson, based on the, what we know about Portland, the escalation of Antifa tactics, the, exp- uh, uh, the uh, escalation of the size of the protest, the initial protests, which become the riots, based on the size, the fact that these wall of vets and moms are providing a shield for the extremists as they prep, I would not be surprised if you see live ammo fired at feds soon. I'm not saying it's a 51% chance. It may be a 15% chance. It may be a five. It may be a 1% chance. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised. You know why? Because there's already been people getting shot. You had a guy walk up to a car in Austin with a rifle, shot and killed. What's to stop one of these, you know, far left extremists from being like they're drawing their live weapons. 
If someone throws a Molotov or is holding one and a federal law enforcement agent draws his sidearm and says, put it down, put it down, because that's lethal and you could you could kill people with it. And then someone sees that that guy draw a gun like there's photos of it already. And then someone's got some rifles and they say, you put it down. How close are we to that? I'd like to imagine relatively far away, but we just don't know, to be fair. And all we're seeing so far is escalation. And because the the riots are happening on a nightly basis, the escalation is seemingly happening faster and faster to the point now where, like I said, you have a guy who was arrested, accused of trying to run people over. Let me show you this. They said the subject, uh, the SUV in the subject left the area at a high rate of speed and was later taken into custody. Let me, let me, here, here we go. A man is accused of menacing demonstrators at a pro police rally in Eaton, Colorado. Local police said on Facebook that they responded to a report of a man in a maroon SUV attempting to drive through or over a crowd of pedestrians. Those pedestrians were holding a Blue Lives Matter demonstration. This was in the 200 block of Collins Street. The vehicle exited the roadway and traveled through a park. Perhaps we are all just getting confused again. Maybe this was just another regular guy who drove up and saw the protest and didn't know what it was. That's what you need to consider. First, they say, He was charged with seven counts of attempted first degree assault, seven counts of felony menacing, and one count of reckless driving. Another person was cited for throwing missiles, police said. Officers did not clarify what link the second individual had to the incident. Cops did not identify the SUV suspect in their Facebook post, but he was named Isaiah Cordova in a report from the Denver Channel. The defendant bonded out of custody as of Sunday, according to the records viewed by law and crime. It is unclear if he has an attorney. The Greenlee Tribune said some rally participants claimed the then unidentified suspect had previously driven by while flipping off the crowd. Attendees told the outlet that during the actual incident, the SUV had driven over the curb, cut through the park grass and drove down into a lower spot before almost striking some rally goers coming back to the street. Based on the witness assessment, this does not seem to be a case where some dude was like driving down the street, saw a protest and went, whoa, what's going on? I got to get out of here. These people are crazy. Witnesses actually make it seem like this guy knew who they were, flipped them off, jumped the curb and drove towards them, almost trying to hit them. This is the level of extremism we are seeing now. The targeting of civilians with 59, 69. I don't don't even know how people are counting anymore because I see like someone will be like, it's day 58. Then someone else say 59, day 60, whatever. We're on like, I think we are on day 60 of the riots, whatever, two months of riots. At a certain point, you have to wonder how far the escalation goes. So let me let me show you this photo because I know I've been ranting for a long time. Check this out. Tonight, Portland police were near uh, Lounsdale Square Park. A person pointed out a bag to them. Inside the bag, police found loaded rifle magazines and Molotov cocktails. What is this splashed with red paint? I can only assume they're magazines, obviously. But I mean, what is what? Why are they splashed with red paint? Maybe you guys in the gun world know better than I do. There's a reason for doing it. No idea. Here we have what looks like rags in the tops of jaw of mason jars. Perhaps Molotov cocktails absolutely looks like that's what they're for. Now, maybe there was fuel in them. Maybe they drained the fuel. I doubt it. It looks like they kind of just left them the way they are. But this to me suggests escalation is a coming. Look, man, we had this two days ago. This this mother effer pulled a gun and threatened to kill people because he was told to stop and not hit people. If you know him, please let people know his name. He is dangerous. Is he or are you in the video? I'm sorry, I can't show it. This is YouTube. You know, I I know the videos probably are on YouTube and other places, but these channels get suppressed. I want to make sure you guys can know as much as possible. So I'm speaking to you. But 
you know, Google it, hop on Twitter. I, my apologies for not being able to show you the full video. I know some people get mad about it. But in the video, the protesters surround the truck. He opens his door and then he like they start arguing. He points the weapon and he starts yelling at him, get back. You know what? I'd be willing to bet in a court of law, he would probably win on self-defense grounds for brandishing that weapon because we just saw a dude killed in Austin. No one's going to, no one's playing games anymore. You think you're going out for a peaceful protest. And I can respect that because I love peaceful protests. They're amazing. You want to go out and peacefully protest. You got to make sure you hold the extremists accountable. Otherwise they will sully your name and put you at risk and they actually hurt your cause. And that's what's happening now. People are Democrats starting to panic. We'll, we'll talk about this later today. But yeah, Trump is winning the propaganda work I covered yesterday. But I'll tell you what. You come out for a peaceful protest and you're marching around, you're skipping through the street, you're holding up your sign. There has been too much death, 29 or 30 deaths. That means everybody knows when they see your group, the chance of death is substantially higher than it would have been a year or two ago. They're not going to take chances anymore. This guy in his truck sees the people pull up and he says, no way y'all shot somebody in Provo, Utah. A dude died in Austin. I am not playing games. And he draws a gun. And I'll tell you what makes it worse. Earlier that day in Eugene, someone fired a gun into the air. Maybe he heard that. During the day, someone reached up, bang. Maybe he got a text from a loved one saying, stay, be careful out there, dad. You know, somebody just, and then texted him the video. Check this out. They're firing guns. So he sees these people come up and he's like, nah, me, not me, MFR. And he pulls out his gun. Then the Antifa guy draws his gun and puts it in his face. And they're both telling each other to back down, put it away. Then people see that video showing two people pointing weapons at each other. Then we get news that police are finding magazines. They're finding Molotov cocktails. You can call it whatever you want, man. Let me, let me read a little bit. They say, so uh, authorities are investigating a shooting at a protest in downtown Portland. <laughs> I probably should have read that first, right? As demonstrations against police brutality continued for a 60th consecutive night, reports of shots fired at Portland's Lounsdale Square emerged at 7.30 p.m. local time as witnesses said a fight broke out between several armed individuals. The Portland Police Department confirmed that two people had been taken into custody following the incident and said one person was hospitalized with non-life-threatening injuries. Shots were already fired. Shots were already fired. Look at this. I should have read this first, man. But I tell you what, I got so much on my mind. I, I got too much. They're actually they're actually firing guns already. And then the police found the bag. Look at this. In Lounsdale Square, shots were fired and then they found magazines. It's happening now. I don't know. It could stop. Take this. Listen, what people need to understand is how probability works. I would say that based on reports of shots fired and finding these weapons, we are, we, are, we are off the precipice. We have dived down. The shots were fired. What does that mean? We don't know. And perhaps that'll be the end of it. It's possible. I don't know the, the, the likelihood to which it will escalate. I would lean towards escalation is, is probable. I think we will see escalation, especially considering the fact somebody got injured. Somebody's not going to be mad about it. They say as police said they found a ba- uh, and police said they found a bag containing loaded rifle magazines and Molotov cocktails at a nearby park. A photo of the items were shared in a tweet. No further information was immediately released. It wasn't clear if either incident was connected to demonstrations. Yes, I understand it's fair to say we're not entirely sure if this is connected to the demonstrations. It's just a completely normal and random thing that happens in Portland that someone loads a bag with, with, with magazines and then Molotov cocktail materials and just leaves it in a park nearby. But we don't know if it's look, I get it. 
If they can't confirm it, they won't say it. But I think it's fair to make the assumption. If look, I'm not going to say it's confirmed. Fine. But I know what most of you are thinking. Oh, don't be silly. Why else would it be there? And that's fair. And that's the only conclusion I can draw. They say, Meanwhile, in Austin, Texas, thousands of people attended a a vigil honoring 28-year-old Garrett Foster, who was shot and killed by a person who drove through a crowd of marchers the night before. Let's be careful here, right? In Alexandria, Virginia, protesters showed up to the home of Chad Wolf. I am telling you, it's only a matter of time before they've already started vandalizing houses in Oakland, in Seattle. What comes next is one person in the crowd kicks the door open. What happens after that is someone peeks in the door. Someone sees others running up to the door. Eventually, they are in your home. They're ransacking it. And eventually you get to a point where they're dragging you out and they're beating you or the cops just come and arrest you because they want to avoid all of the trouble. We are getting this dangerous. We're here, man. We're here. It's happening. Now, what do you think is going to happen come November? We're not going to know who won. People are going to go going crazy. Lawsuits, lawsuits, mail-in voter boxes turning up. No one believing it. Chaos. Absolute chaos. All the, this guy, Garrett Foster, it is very, very sad that he lost his life. It is. He was taking care of a woman, a woman who was a quadruple, am, his wife was a quadruple am, amputee. It's sad. They've launched a GoFundMe for him, which has raised over $100,000. And this to me is the scariest thing we have seen yet. You know why? Armed insurgents, armed people who are threatening others, walking around with rifles in essentially active riots. I understand what in Austin wasn't, but this is happening around the country militia showing up. You run up to a vehicle with a rifle and the person gets threatened. If Garrett had been successful, presuming, presuming, he, presuming he, was, he was willing to, I'm not saying he would, but let's say Garrett actually shot at the vehicle or, or injured the driver. GoFundMe would take down that GoFundMe. It's a violation of its rules, right? Maybe not because they're biased. So what we have here is critical infrastructure for far left extremists to arm up and escalate the tensions and the tactics. If somebody goes out with some kind of weapon and they lose their life in some kind of conflict, GoFundMe is going to funnel funnel money to their allies. That's going to allow them to stock up and arm up and it's going to make things worse. GoFundMe should not be allowing this. And it's unfortunate. Look, I know I want his wife to make sure, you know, he was her caretaker, but he he also showed up with a rifle in, in, a, in, a, in a moment in riots where people were running up to a car and we've already seen people shot. Now, you can argue the dude has a right to walk around with his gun, the right to protest. That's true. But I'm also going to argue that the guy, the, the driver has a Second Amendment right. And he was in reasonable fear of harm, surrounded by a mob of angry people with one dude who was holding a rifle. What do you what do you what do you think is going to happen? Who are you going to claim is wrong in this one? Sure, you can march around with your rifle and people can defend themselves. I wonder if what's going to happen. In, it's Austin, right? Texas is supposed to be have some great self-defense laws. Is, is this guy, if he ends up getting charged, he's going to be like, look at Provo. Look at the guy in Seattle. Look at every every story where the mob comes up. Look at the guy with the with the bow and arrow. They attack vehicles. Look at all of these videos where they jump on the hood of the car. They threaten you. A guy came up with a gun. Now they raise them over 100 grand. That money is going to be used for, I don't know what it's going to be used for, but I'm worried about the idea that in this fight, factions will, mostly the left, will be sharing resources and supplying each other in the conflict when their insurgents or their extremists die. I'm not saying Garrett was. I'm saying if this precedent is set, that's what I think we'll see. So listen, man, the escalation is already here. Call it whatever you want. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then.
This morning, the owners of a gym close to where I live got arrested for defying the lockdown orders. And that's the gist of the story. They've been trying to open up in some capacity, arguing that there is a certain workaround in the wording of the law that allows them to be a members only gym. But apparently it doesn't matter. We've heard about this gym, Atlas Gym, in the past when it became a national story. Some people who had gone there had gotten their information taken down. One guy who didn't want to be identified actually got briefly detained. I'm not sure if he was arrested. Well, now we learn that these gym owners have been arrested, arrested for trying to open their business. You want to know why this is insane? Because attached to their building is a Dollar General. It's one big building they rent out, I believe, a portion of it. Attached to it is a Dollar General. Hundreds, if not thousands of people are walking in and out of that building every single day, but they can't have a small group of people exercising. That to me is, it seems arbitrary. Okay, I I guess you might argue the essential services of a dollar general must, you know, so it must, it is an essential service. And so we, we would prefer it if the businesses were closed to prevent the spread and all that stuff. But I'll tell you what I see. I see complete hypocrisy. I see the Democrats and their allies in media completely abandoning the people and small business. They have lost touch with everything. And I can't imagine arresting these guys was necessary. Why? They could have just showed up and said, we're shutting you down. That's it. Come on out. Then they could have told them to lock up. Then they could. That's it. Why arrest them? That's what they did. Now, that's the gist of the story. There was a woman there who said that the uh, 33-year-old Ian Smith and 51-year-old Frank Trombetti of Williamstown are both charged with one count of fourth-degree contempt, obstruction, and violation of a Disaster Control Act, both disorderly person summons. You want to know why this is so insane and why I am absolutely blaming the Democrats for, for the destruction of these businesses for several reasons. Governor Phil Murphy joins in Black Lives Matter protests in New Jersey, June 7th. It was actually a couple months ago when the whole controversy surrounding this one small gym in, in South Jersey erupted and the governor himself issued a statement saying, oh, you can't do it. You can't do it. Then he went out and joined in the protests. And this is what we have seen the whole time. 30 people have died in the ongoing George Floyd riots. The mayor of Portland literally joined in, not in the actions itself, but he stood there on the federal property in front of the barricade as people were lobbing explosives at these officers who, according to the AP, many have have received very severe burns and injuries. You're not hearing this because very few in media are actually reporting it. The Democrats are are willfully engaging in psychotic behavior that is destroying the lives of regular people. I bring you now to the story from Michael Tracy, and I disagree with Michael on some issues, but this is the bigger picture. Now, I know you, 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 we heard about the arrests. The, the two guys at the gym were released. But I want I want to show you this because Michael Tracy documents the de- the destruction that small businesses across this country have faced and how the people in the media in, in fear of helping Donald Trump get elected are ignoring this. Instead, what do we get? The Democrats deflecting, supporting or downright joining in the protests themselves and riots that have resulted in the destruction of so many businesses, ordering the arrest of small businesses who say we need to reopen. This is what you get. Michael Tracy writes, two months since the riots and still no national conversation. In this story, I want to jump straight to it. I want to catch your interest on this one. I want to show you the true nightmare that is the far left riots with a couple of photos. Michael Tracy posts some images 
throughout this uh, uh, throughout, throughout his story. But the most nightmarish are these two. Please don't hurt us. Sprayed on the door. Please don't hurt us. We support BLM. Written in spray paint on one of the boarded up windows. This is the future you will get if things keep moving in this direction. Because the, the, the Democratic Party is either acting like the riots aren't real they've a- or they've actively supported them and marched along with them. Now, I understand there's a difference between peaceful protest and violent riot, but the riots have absolutely overtaken everything. That's why they are saying we support Black Lives Matter, because it's not the listen, it's not the police that, that are going around destroying their property. It's not the police that are terrorizing these people every single day. And it's not the police that are, well, that are oppressing these people. It's Black Lives Matter. Now, don't get me wrong. Cops came out and arrested these two gym owners. So I'm not here to cut them slack either. They are enforcing, as far as I can tell, unconstitutional edict from a governor. Sure, there will be lawsuits. But these cops who came and took the guns from the McCloskeys in violation of state law, all of these cops need to be held accountable too. But guess what? In the midst of the coronavirus stuff, the, the, the lockdowns and the cops who are, who are shutting these businesses down, issuing fines, are not coming out and beating people and smashing windows and destroying everything, though they are enforcing what the Democrats want them to do in these cities. So again, they deserve no special, uh, you know, special positioning here. Michael Tracy writes, we are now approaching the two month mark since the riots that erupted across the U.S. in late May and early June. There's a reasonable argument to be made that these riots were unprecedented in U.S. history, or at the very least since the 60s. Yet if one surveyed the national media today, you'd barely even know anything happened. Nor would you likely be aware that those who bore the brunt of the destruction, largely minorities whose sensibilities don't fit into any neatly delineated ideology, ideological category, are still acutely suffering from the fallout. Now, I want to point something out. Michael Tracy very much frames this as one of the biggest media scandals in, in, in the country, maybe for our generation. I don't, I don't know necessarily how he quantifies it, but it is a major media scandal. However, he points out that journalists and pundits are scared that Trump will get reelected if they highlight what's going on. To me, that sounds like, as I've often argued, the Democrats and the journalists overlap almost entirely. I'm not kidding. They, they, they overlap to a great degree. These journalists want Democrats to win. They're actively supporting them. Not every single media outlet, mind you, but many of the mainstream prominent, you know, uh, longstanding or venture capital funded outlets seem to be more like Democratic promotional campaign, you know, uh, publishers than journalists. Michael writes, Civil unrest has, of course, occurred before, but the riots of 2020 exhibited features that belie any easily historical parallel. For one thing, consider their enormous geographical scope. While the most extreme riots in cities like New York, Chicago, Philly, and particularly Minneapolis did receive considerable attention, however, fleeting, incomplete, and unnecessarily inflected with knee-jerk partisanship, there were also smaller scale riots in surprisingly far-flung places that you hardly would have known about unless you lived in the area happened to visit or intentionally sought out what remains of the bare bones local media coverage to take just a small sampling. Atlantic City, New Jersey, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Green Bay, Wisconsin and Olympia, Washington all underwent significant riots, at least per the normal expectations of life in these relatively low key cities. Did you hear anything about them? Because I hadn't. And I'm abnormally attuned to daily media coverage only because I personally visited. Did I learn of the damage? 
I want to give a shout out, man, to Michael Tracy. This is excellent, excellent work. And while I may disagree with him on his assessment, I think you can read it. Uh, you know, I'm not going to read you the whole thing. I'm going to show certain key points and I'm going to give you my opinion on, but absolutely check out the stuff he's writing. I want to show you a bit more. We're going to come back to this because he makes some very important points. Three points initially. Check this out. Seattle business owners feel abandoned by the city they once loved. Here, oh, this is, oh, I'm sorry. This is the Atalist gym. Uh, here's one. What are they waiting for? Owners of riot damaged businesses lament aid delays. And how about this? Downtown Portland businesses derailed by the pandemic say protests present a new challenge. These businesses have been completely abandoned by the media and by Democratic leadership. And to make things worse, they literally arrest those who try to survive after the fact. They're giving figuratively no quarter to anyone. Where's the aid? Gone. They allowed the Chaz. They, they took the police away in Seattle. The police couldn't go out and use riot control measures. So a group of 150 went around smashing up all the windows and businesses. We're working on a card game right now. I'm, I'm going to let you in on a secret. I, I got to do this. We're working on a card game called Cancel Culture. I'm working with a few people and I'm working with the dude from Freedom Tunes, Seamus, you might know him. And one of the jokes we recently came up with is that we're going to have a card called Small Business Owner, and it's going to be labeled as a far right personality. The joke being that the Democrats won't support these individuals and that people who try to argue for protecting their businesses, the people who try to say we need the help of the police are called fringe far right or are ignored entirely. That's the joke, because this is what we see all the time. Let me highlight some of what uh, uh, what uh, Michael Tracy says here. He noticed a few points. Let me, let me read this. He says, I'm not a rocket scientist, and it doesn't take some kind of profound journalistic acuity to walk around right affected areas, talk to citizens, record their stories and impressions, take some photos and record some video and compose some tweets. And yet I heard from hundreds of people across the United States and world who were shocked that they'd never been aware of what happened in Minneapolis, St. Paul, if not for my dinky little Twitter thread. When I visited a month after the peak of the riots, much of this major American metropolis still lied in ruins. Not that normal life had mostly resumed. It had, but it's resumed in a way that war torn areas configure some ad hoc routine that enables the resumption of semi normal activity amidst the rubble and despair. In speaking with locals, many of whom have lost their livelihoods or had to plead for their children not to be burned alive. It often seems like the extent of the ruination they've experienced was barely ever appreciated in the first place. There are several potential explanations why. This is a very important point that I want to interject here in what Michael is saying. He mentions the media's fixation. Journalists and editors, let me read. The media, in its characteristic insularity and myopia, has instead chosen to pathologically fixate on, the con- on a constant stream of culture war inanities that stem loosely from this ongoing movement such as the propriety of various statues and monuments, whether various food brands and sports teams are racist, and whether various micro celebrities need to be canceled for some imagined transgression. They are also beset by various hyper moralizing staff revolts within their own elite institutions, leading them to adopt an inordinately inward editorial disposition on account of their own neurotic personal issues. That's an epic paragraph, dude. (laughs) Under these narcissistic conditions, Real world human suffering becomes less of a pressing concern. I got to hand it to him. He's right. I have seen way too many articles from news outlets writing about themselves. I kid you not. Staff revolt. We must write about ourselves and other journalists. They become drama engines and they're ignoring the plight 
of actual small business owners and the American people. The media and the Democrats, in my opinion, have absolutely abandoned regular working people in favor of some fringe, narcissistic, intersectional psychosis. They have put on blinders. They are supporting Antifa or pretending like they don't exist. To me, it's insane. He says, two, journalists, editors, and pundits believe either consciously or subconsciously, probably probably some half scandalous combination of the two, that highlighting the harmful after effects of these historic nationwide riots would somehow re- uh, redound to the political benefit of Trump. Rebound? Redound. Which to them would be the most disastrous outcome of all. This probably isn't even correct. Trump is currently seizing every opportunity to shoot himself in the foot all on his own. But the media class is nonetheless mortified to even contemplate the possibility that anything they might do could conceivably help him. And that's it right there. While Michael Tracy takes particular aim at journalism, you have to point out, as I have in other segments, when I say Democrats and and their allies, journalists are actively trying to help the Democrats win and they are suppressing information they believe will actually help Trump win. And they're now discovering it. But I'm going to say that for the next segment. He says, these same media class members are themselves deeply invested in what they regard as the movement. However diffuse and ill-defined this movement may be, and they are extremely reluctant to produce any coverage which might reflect poorly on said movement and potentially undermine its moral and political legitimacy. And there it is. You know, someone once said that politics is downstream from culture. I believe it was Andrew Breitbart, probably was. Correct me if I'm wrong. And this is what we're seeing. Perhaps it's not that the journalists themselves are Democrats. It's that journalists are invested in the movement, as Michael Tracy says. And the Democrats then just chase after whatever narrative emerges from left wing media. Thus, they begin to support fringe ideological movements instead of working class people. Businesses get destroyed. And what do we see? The Democratic mayor of New Jersey literally arrests two guys. And shame on the police. I'll say that too. Talk about police reform. Police should not be enforcing unconstitutional edict. Michael says, I don't have, I don't claim to have a complete answer for what explains this dynamic. What I can do is simply share some of my observations and encounters. Then you can decide for yourself whether there's been a conspicuous uh, paucity of coverage. And if, say, a national conversation is warranted. Numerous establishments were boarded up in Atlantic City in June. Just off the boardwalk, an Arab grocery store owner told me about how his storefront window was smashed by a rioter wielding a baseball bat as he was working. The riots came just as much of the city was preparing to partially reopen from COVID for the summer beach season. So what do you think? What do you think when you see Democrats joining in all of these protests? I'm not talking about the violent riots. I'm saying how many Democratic leaders in New York, in Michigan, in New Jersey, in Philadelphia marched with the protests? And now after they gave all this support and the riots got just so much worse, they have to put up signs in their windows saying, please don't hurt us. We support Black Lives Matter. This is what we're seeing from Michael Tracy. One of the, one, uh, one of the small Somali gro- uh, grocer's neighbors is a Mexican convenience store owner. He said looters broke in and stole a significant amount of items. Here are the safety precautions he took. They marched with these people. They marched with Black Lives Matter. And then the business owners had no choice but to beg Black Lives Matter rioters to spare them. What do you think people 
are going to be talking about when they say it was it was this this group of protesters. And what do you think is going to happen come November when they say that's the guy who marched with them? You think they're going to vote for him? Maybe they will. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I can't look at this. I, I see all these stories about businesses and I just can't believe regular people are thinking to themselves. I'm glad the Democrats are supporting this while my business has been destroyed. I'm glad that I'm not allowed to reopen my gym, but people can go march to the streets and the Democratic politicians join them. I'm glad it's happening. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I'm sorry. I don't. I see video after video and I see stories like this. This is the real world consequences of what these riots have produced. And you mean to tell me outside of the polls, outside of the rhetoric, outside of the journalism, that when we look at these photos, we're supposed to assume these people are going to go and vote for Joe Biden. I don't buy it. Donald Trump is talking about sending in federal law enforcement to help people. I don't buy it. We can see another. There's a really sad story that, that Michael has in here. This story right here. Look at this. The shell of what was, what was once an auto repair shop operated by an Ethiopian man still sits burned out and destroyed, leaving the man out of work potentially for months. He said the man who, like many others, did not want to conduct a formal interview, remarked that he now has nothing to do all day. His tools and equipment were destroyed. This story broke my heart. An Ethiopian man, I'm assuming that means he is an immigrant, had his tools destroyed. You destroyed his tools. They burn. It looks like they burned his building. Why? Why would they do this? These people are, are horrific. And then in the media, what do they say? The language of the unheard. Now you're listening, right? Was it worth it for the white progressive liberals or whatever who live in the in the, in the hoity-toity suburbs who don't experience this to destroy the business of an immigrant and destroy his tools so he could literally not recover? You have salted the earth of his business. You disgusting monsters. Look, I get it. They rampage through the town if they tore up a garden. But to return and salt the earth so that nothing could ever grow again is the most psychotic and disturbed BS I have ever seen. I'm sorry, man. I read this story from Michael Tracy. It is amazing work. And I am I am furious at what I am reading about what they have done to regular people. And I am furious at the Democrats who have marched alongside many of these people. And then they go and arrest gym owners. This is what I have to read all day. And I am sick of it. I am absolutely sick of it. This story really, really breaks my heart. He has no reason. He has no reason to spray paint on his windows. Please don't hurt me. Why? Because they have salted the earth of his business to make sure it never comes back. And they say, so what? They have insurance. No, they don't. These people are sick, twisted, disgusting monsters. And I am sick and tired of people defending them and the media defending them. It's what they do. They've been doing it all day, every day, nonstop for months. I want you to explain to this man why his life didn't matter, why his business didn't matter, and why now he has to suffer. I want you to explain to the people who have to put up signs, big black spray paint saying their business is black owned to protect themselves from the violent, the violent rioters who seek to destroy everything you know and hold dear. What you've built, the building where you serve food, where you find your passion, where you employ your neighbors, your friends, your family, your community. You have to beg them every day, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt us. Like they're doing now in Portland and Seattle and like they've been doing in Berkeley. And after reading all of this, I'm supposed to believe these people are saying to themselves, the Democrats are the right choice. I can't believe it. I just absolutely can't believe it. Unless, of course, it's true. The media has done everything in their power to embolden, embrace and protect this. 
And that's why I detest these people in media, as I'm sure most of you do. I am sick of the fake news. I am sick of the lies. And, and, and I am eternally grateful that someone like Michael Tracy, though I may disagree on some of his assessments, he's gone out and shown what, what these people are, are experiencing. I've long, long su- suspected many of the same things he has, though he's very critical of what he says are low IQ right wing people who, you know, care more about complaining about the violence of Antifa than to actually show the victims. I disagree with this. I believe if you show this story to the right, they will be as outraged as I am. I can't believe they destroyed the tools of this man and he has nothing left. Salting the earth of his business, destroying businesses, they will never come back. It's 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 insane to me. Now, here's I want to read you this. Here's an account from a young man, Matthew, who took part in the riot at the third police precinct, which was the ground zero for riding in Minneapolis. Among other observations, he remarks that those who carried out the arson attacks were exclusively white, at least according to his own firsthand observations. And at certain points, says he witnessed non-white business owners warding off white rioters. Here's an anarchist A scrawled on the burned out shell of a liquor store across the street from the police precinct. Yeah. Michael Tracy mentions many of these people aren't necessarily going to go and vote conservative or anything like this. You know, many of the businesses are are outright gone. Many of the locals, they're not just going to say, you know, Donald Trump is the right answer. In fact, many of them view Donald Trump rather negatively. But what I'm going to tell you right now is that it's not necessarily about Donald Trump for a lot of these people. It's about their mayors it's about their governors. It's about the local politicians. It's about the people who marched side by side with these people after all of this was going on. I'm, I'm angry, man. I'm, I'll tell you what. I think the establishment Republicans are complete trash. I do not like most of them. There's only a small handful. I absolutely do not like the establishment Democrats, but I will tell you one thing. Donald Trump has said, stop the rioting. The left has argued he's made it worse. If Antifa shows up to a courthouse in Portland and throws explosives and starts fires, they have initiated the conflict and I will not blame U.S. Marshals for that. If they then get angry at the Marshals seek to defend that property, I'm not going to blame them for acting in defense of their courthouse. You want to protest? Fine. But those people throwing explosives are not protesting. They are the same who would do this. In Seattle, just a couple a week or so ago, 150 went around, uh, people went around smashing windows, looting, not stealing for themselves, not because they need this. No, they didn't need bread, like AOC might say about New York. They burned the merchandise in the street. And I have been to Berkeley, and I have seen in the Bay Area the signs in the window saying, please spare our store. Please do not hurt us. I have seen those signs myself. I have, I, I have seen the storefronts putting up all of the protest material, claiming they're owned by minorities, begging them to please not hurt us. And I will not stand for that kind of society. And I will absolutely say it's time for law and order. So what do you think is going to happen when someone like me, former or a disaffected, I'll say, I'll just say disaffected, urban, liberal, skateboarding, youth, grew up punk rock, am now watching innocent people have their businesses ransacked and destroyed across this country in small towns. I'm I'm furious. I got another segment coming up that is the, an extension of this. You see, the Democrats have finally started realizing that the violence and the, and the destruction is bad news. 
And now they're trying to flip the narrative. And I'm going to continue my outrage in the next segment coming up at 4 p.m. over at TimCast.net. Thanks for hanging out. And I'll see you there. In this segment, I'm going to be doing a little bit of a follow up on my main channel segment. Check it out over at TimCast.net if you haven't seen it. But it's okay if you haven't, because we can still talk about this. What we're going to be discussing is this excellent thread from at Vocal Distance, who gives a breakdown of far left tactics. If you've ever wondered how it is that they can be extremely violent, damaging property, attacking innocent people, yet still they get preferential media treatment. This breaks it down in a, uh, in, in a very succinct way. You see, the far left is very well organized. And I've often talked about this uh, as it pertains to the culture war, why it is conservatives tend to lose on, lose on a lot of these issues. And the reality is the far left is, well, like I said, organized. They have volunteers, they have plans, they have strategies, and they use people. They use people. So in, in a Portland-like situation, right, I've often mentioned how the mom block will come and link arms to protect the far left extremists. It's all about optics and propaganda. And they know this. And this thread from Vocal Distance actually breaks it down. It's quite clever. They want you to see in the media a mom being attacked because they want people in the suburbs to be triggered. They're trying to make sure that middle-aged mothers feel like they are personally being attacked by these police. And I'm sure it's worked in certain capacities. However, most moms don't riot. Most moms don't protest. So I have to imagine that in the end, it is rather ineffective. But they still have their stated goal of, you know, attacking the feds, putting pressure on them and generating propaganda. The only problem I think is that they're losing. And that's basically what I said in my main channel segment over at TimCast.net. They are losing. The media is starting to realize this. And now they're desperate to blame all of this on Trump. You see, for as organized as the far left may be, they don't have a good macro view of what they're actually doing. However, as some have pointed out, it may actually be the intent of the far left to get Donald Trump elected. And I am not exaggerating. I mean this. You know why? They need moms to be angry so they get carte blanche from the media. But if it really was Joe Biden's America, then you will see a harsh crackdown like we did with Obama. You see, the Black Lives Matter protests and riots started under Obama. And there was no problem of governors and law enforcement to go in, attack people, arrest people, send to the National Guard. And well, there you go. You see, if they actually win, if Biden wins, then the liberal establishment is going to say, shut them down. Their usefulness is done. As I've explained, they view the far left as like the one ring whose power they hope to wield, but they can't. Both sides are hoping to take advantage of the other. In the end, what the far left really wants is for Trump to win. They do. I've seen it. I've talked to people. Not all of them, not all of them, many of them know, but the strategists do. Because they know that the liberals, the regular liberals who normally don't care, are being radicalized by fake news in support of them. Let me read this for you. Wokel says, want to know how activists in places like Portland take over roads, smash windows, light buildings on fire, and still have the press call them nonviolent? Well, as it turns out, these are well-trained activists using intelligent, highly developed tactics. Primer. He then shows a bunch of news stories. For starters, none of this is spontaneous. Note that many protesters have shields. These shields take three hours each to make and are created by a group of 25 volunteers working all day. You don't do that spontaneously. It takes planning. Absolutely. 
I have actually been to these collective warehouses. I was in, I think it was France. Can't remember which country, actually. And we, I, I, it, there's a video somewhere on this channel where we walked around inside a massive facility. It was massive. And there had to be a hundred plus far leftists making shields and batons and flags. I believe it was France. They were preparing for this. I believe it may have been like a May Day protest or something. A big protest against the police and the government. Massive facility, mass producing weapons they could use, but they're very clever. They want you to think they're not attacking you. That's the point. Let's read on. It isn't just shields that are planned. Everything is from what protesters wear to the tactics chosen in each situation. The protesters also have a highly developed understanding of the information and media ecosystem and the tactics that work in the environment. The first strategy is to put their target in a decision dilemma. This is where they select a method of protest that leaves the person with no good options. No matter how the target reacts, they look bad. Yes, that is what is currently going on in Portland. They want to make sure the attacks they're using don't go over the top. Thus, the police are forced to react in an extreme way. I'll give you an example. Why was it that Mayor Ted Wheeler of Portland tweeted out, people are concerned the feds may be authorized to use live ammo. It served no purpose but to exacerbate the problems. You see, now he can come out and say, I was warning people to keep them safe. But he wants both sides to feel that, 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 that tension, that fear. He wants people to get armed with live ammo. And they have been getting armed. Just the other day, a shot was fired somewhere in Portland. The police found loaded magazines and Molotov cocktail, cocktail materials. This is all part of making the feds react in such a way that they can film it. And then, as he point out, well, I'll read this. They go for press releases. We'll get, we'll get to that in a second. He says, that strategy is paired with the real action is your target's reaction. You want to use someone's reaction to your protest against them, blocking a road. If the police arrest you, play the martyr. If they don't, you now control the road. They can do whatever they want, scare people and force them to bend the knee, or they can say, help, help, I'm being repressed. The police are arresting peaceful protesters. You'll notice their media allies on Twitter will falsely frame things and pretend they're acting in good faith while accusing you of operating in bad faith. Those two strategies are used hand in hand to create actions, which activists can turn to their advantage. When they do this correctly, they can, they can create imagery that paints them as the underdogs, even when they are the aggressors. It's social and political jujitsu. It's exactly what they're doing in Portland. That's why I always point out the most important factor with Portland, Seattle, and most of these protests are that these people, the far left, are going to a building, the federal courthouse. The feds can't pick the building up and leave. They literally cannot retreat. So Antifa knows they can show up every day, use moms to say, we're peaceful protesters being attacked. Then they take those pictures of sympathetic victims and they can claim they're being repressed. It is quite literally the goal of Antifa to attack the police so the attack, so the police have no choice but to clear the crowd. And then what do they do? They show an image of a mom being beaten and they say, why are the feds beating the moms? Antifa is forcing them to do it. Yes, yes. You can argue that the feds could stand back and do nothing. But many of these officers are being injured and fires are being started. They're putting the cops in a decision dilemma. That's the point. That's what's being said. What can they do? Stand back and do nothing? Have the fires just tear through the building or spread around the outside? The fences get torn down or they can try and defend the building. 
So when they come out after the fences are torn down and yell at the crowd, get back, what do they do? They stand behind a mom or a vet and then say, look, they're attacking the mom. When in reality, the mom is in one video actually trying to pull down the fence with them. It's all propaganda. They're trying to force this perspective. Much of this is performative, but not in a look good to your peers kind of way. The principal principal key is to play to the audience that isn't there. I'm going to skip over a lot of this because the point is very simple. They're trying to get moms in the suburbs. That's the battle right now. Trump lost many of these districts that were suburban, you know, middle class white neighborhoods. They want these moms to feel particularly attacked. I don't know if it'll work. I don't think so. Most people, like I said, won't write or protest. So they're not going to sympathize with these people. And most people do trust police. He then, Wogel then says, the next strategy is self-explanatory. Do the media's work for them. This is where activists make sure press releases and film footage that make them look good get into the hands of sympathetic journalists. This explains a lot of what gets on TV. Laziness. Many journalists will get sent a press release and photos and they'll say, ooh, that's a good story. I'm going to get a bunch of clicks. Officer bad. Innocent woman attacked. They'll ignore the context because it's easier just to release the press release with a photograph than actually do real reporting. You'll have some real journalists like this guy from the AP who actually went in the building and showed what was going on with the police. And you'll have a lot of fake news journalists that say, I support them and want to help them subvert, in which case they'll gleefully publish this and even embellish more to help out. There's been a lot of sympathetic coverage in the media. Much of it revolves around so-called wall of moms. The media stories that these moms are acting to protect the protesters from vicious police. However, it's just another strategy of the same activist playbook. And that strategy is lead with sympathetic characters. It's exactly what it sounds like. They put sympathetic people out in front to garner sympathy and create the appearance of underdogs fighting an uphill battle against powerful interests. The protesters have highly developed theory of protest optics. They understand videos can be sliced and diced to tell a certain story. So the story that resonates with people most wins. They are intentionally, they're intentional in trying to create moments on video that can go viral. That isn't to say they aren't also intentional in doing damage. They are. The Black Block, the book Black Block White Riot, Anti-Globalization, and the Genealogy of Dissent uh, by author A.K. Thompson is the starting place for their theory on what counts as violence and when violence is justified. I'm not going to go into the full details of that book, however. He ultimately ends by saying, the violence is intentional, where the wall of moms is meant to win hearts. The Black Block is there to intimidate. If police react to the violence with arrests, the wall of moms is there. So protesters can claim the police attacked moms. See how the game works? What I want you to get from this is that none of what you are seeing is is happening spontaneously. These are high level tactics that are given to people supported by a well-organized protest infrastructure. Where do you think all the people making the shields come from? These radical protesters have organized an infrastructure to, in their words, disrupt, dismantle and deconstruct your society. It's beyond that. Many of these people are, are actively supporting the Democratic Party. They want Trump to appear as Cheeto dictator. That means they need pictures of the feds hitting a mom. The moms are extremists the same as anybody else. As I've stated before, if you link arms and protect a bank robber inside a bank, actively robbing that bank, you're an accomplice protecting them. If you walk outside and stop the cops from arresting them, you are an accomplice to that crime. However, all that matters is the picture. Most people will see the headline mom beaten by Fed. And they'll say, geez, what is, tr- what is going on? And they won't know the context. The important thing here, and I'll wrap this up, that you can do, share videos like this. That's it. 
and let people know they are being manipulated. Some people will resist. Some people will say, whoa, I didn't realize that. That's the best we can do for now. Counter the lies. I got a couple more segments for you in just a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. Michael Moore says, do not underestimate the evil genius that is Donald Trump. And I think that's a great compliment. Listen, Donald Trump is certainly not evil. That's silly. In fact, I don't even think most Democrats are evil. I think many of them are the ones in media that willfully lie. You know, recently we had a post from some high profile leftist whose name I will not say, who claimed that Garrett, uh, the guy in Austin who, who got shot was unarmed, unarmed. Nah, he has to know that's not true. The story's very, I mean, the story's viral. Now, that's what I would call evil, willfully deceiving for political gain. Based on all the research I've done, I'm sorry, man. I think the orange man is bad, but not nearly that bad. And I also feel like the Democrats are forcing me to support him because they've joined forces with the dark side. Let's be real. They'll say the same thing about Trump. I don't buy it. But hey, compliment, huh, from Michael Moore calling Trump an evil genius. What he's really saying here is simple. We are three months out. If you think the game is over, you will lose. And he's right. The same goes for Trump supporters or literally anybody else. If you think you've won, you have not. You will lose. You must be prepared. Think about it this way. Here's an analogy. You got two opposing factions standing on a field. All right. There's actually a fame. Actually, you know what? Let me tell you a famous revolutionary war story. I'm going to I'm going to simplify it because I don't know the full details. I'm not a historian, but basically on the revolutionary war side, the American side, they put militiamen in the front, knowing that the militia would probably break ranks and run away. The when the when the uh, British Empire, the regulars saw, yep, the militia ran. They thought they had it. So they charged in. But standing behind the militia was a bunch of trained continental army army men who mowed down the British regulars. You may have seen this played out in the movie The Patriot with Mel Gibson. It's based on a true story. Using people's, your enemies' overconfidence to your advantage. So yes, Michael Moore is correct. You may not think Trump's evil. Some people do. It's silly. But at the very least, he's saying, do not underestimate your opponent. And I'll tell you this. Everyone should heed Michael Moore's words. Don't underestimate your opponent. You might think Joe Biden is sleepy, fumbly, bumbly Joe. And then all of a sudden, somehow at the debates, he's hopped up on goofballs talking a mile a minute. He's sharper than ever. Yeah, I know it sounds like no way. But this, 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 this narrative of Joe Biden hiding in the basement, of being weak and, and, and you know, bumbling and gaffing, it's made Joe Biden appear weak and the Democrats look weak. And maybe they are just waiting for the right moment to strike at the last minute. They don't want to expose any weaknesses. So they're lying in wait defensively, making it very difficult to target them with corruption allegations. How are you going to go after Joe Biden? He's so sleepy and, oh, you know, he looks so weak and pathetic. So what happens at the very last minute? They strike. And all of a sudden now Joe Biden comes out looking better than ever. You may think I'm wrong. You're probably laughing. No way Joe Biden comes out and actually has a clean sentence. And that will be your downfall, just like the battle I mentioned during the Revolutionary War. Do not think you have won. However, that being said, Trump is down in the polls. Everyone's claiming he's already lost. His fate is sealed. And that's why Michael Moore is speaking up, because actually the inverse. Maybe Trump is the one lying in wait, seemingly failing, getting all of his Trump supporters all riled up. John Roberts, the Supreme Court, siding with the liberals. What could be happening? Perhaps it's all part of the plan. Make it seem like things are worse than ever and you're actually losing so that every single Trump supporter stands up and says, charge, 
hold the line, hold the line. And they all run out full speed and they slam that vote button. <laughs> we'll see if that matters. I mean, most of it's going to be mail-in ballots. Well, let's read this story a little bit. I'll show you what Michael Moore said. Real Clear Politics reports. <clears throat> Michael Moore warned Democrats not to get too excited and underestimated Trump victory in 2020 in an interview on Joy Reid's MSNBC program. Moore also encouraged Joe Biden to act as if he is currently the president like a shadow government and start holding a morning meeting and have fireside type chats with Americans from his basement. I got to admit, Michael Moore, he is right. Don't you forget it. He predicted he predicted Donald Trump's victory in 2016. He's repeatedly said Trump will win and he is giving them good ideas, whether you like the guy or not. If I were advising him, I would tell him to just start running the country right now. Just act as if you are the president. That means nobody can assume the election is over. The basement is fine. Nobody should ridicule the basement. We want him safe. I want to caution everyone. Do not underestimate the evil genius that is Donald Trump. There are many examples throughout history, whether it's Henry V facing the French on St. Crispin's Day. They, they, they outnumbered him four to one, and he was supposed to lose, and he didn't, and or jump ahead to the 1995 NBA playoffs. Actually, it's apparently 94. The Knicks are ahead with 15 seconds left, way ahead of the Indian, uh, Indiana Pacers. And Reggie Miller scores eight points in nine seconds with 15 seconds left. That's an amazing story, by the way. We've been fooled by polls before. Listen, Trump has got a number of tricks up his sleeve to suppress the vote, to try to postpone the election, blaming the coronavirus to any of the number of things where he will try to weasel his way out of this. More side of the election and our side and Joe Biden, Joe Biden. I think, you know, honestly, if I were advising him, I would tell him to just start running the country right now. Act as if you're president. That means nobody can assume the election is over. Everybody's got to show up, uh, show up the vote, show up, got to show up the vote and bring 10 people with him. Show up to the vote. Sure. But right now, every morning, we could have a morning meeting with Joe Biden from the basement. More proposed. The basement is fine. Nobody should ridicule. Thanks. We read all this already. He says, when you see that emotional, caring part of him in the just and just the few times I've met him, that's the real deal. You're seeing the real deal there. Well, listen. I'll give you my personal opinion. My bias is that right now, I do believe Donald Trump is on track to win. And I mentioned this the other day. Some people say, Tim, you know, you flip flop that. Listen, listen, my position on whether Trump is winning is due to the fact that this is a close race. It is. And there are certain things that happen in the media as of today, as of yesterday, where things change. But because the Democrats greatly underestimated America's disdain for riots, Trump has taken the swing in his favor. It may not mean he has won, but it does mean he is winning, at least winning things back. Will Americans remember the good times of the past several years? Or will they just think, where am I today? Donald Trump gave us one of the greatest economies in American history. That is a fact. 100%. Jim Cramer, best numbers of our lives. But the polls have him down because, as some have said, Trump was hit with three nuclear bombs. Will there be more bombs? Yes. I mean, there could be. They point out in this story from The Atlantic, don't count Trump out. Polling could be wrong. The economy could recover just enough. He could announce his own October surprise. Oh, you betcha. I tell you this, man. What happens if Bill Barr comes out and says, I'm issuing indictments against former Obama administration officials? People are going to cheer the left will be shaken to its core and people will be freaking out. And that can play to Trump's advantage very well. I mean, look, Donald Trump did receive an advantage when Comey talked about Hillary Clinton's emails and all that stuff, right? 
he brought up the email investigation and many people felt like that benefited Trump. Probably did. Hillary looked like a crook. So there you go. Trump ended up winning. Maybe Comey regrets it or maybe he was trying to play down the middle. I don't know. I will tell you this. Joe Biden himself could have an October surprise. Oh, I know. People love to laugh and say, no way. We know. Uh, uh-uh. I'm not playing those games. I don't want to hear it. And I mean it. It's funny when I bring this up, people, a lot of people are like, Tim, you're so wrong. You don't get it. We know we're going to win. Listen, man, you can be confident. You can say we can win so long as we all stand up and charge so long as we hold the line. But to come out and say we've already won, I tell you what, you will be just like that battle in the Revolutionary War with the British regulars laughing, saying, yeah, charge forward. We got them. And then all of a sudden up on the other side of that hill is a bunch of Continental Army soldiers putting their guns. Bang. And you're like, oops, we shouldn't have been so confident. We should have been calm, collected, regimented and and moved slowly, sent a scout, not chased after militiamen. Joe Biden appears weak. So they chase after they run into a trap. Donald Trump looks weak. The same exact thing. I can't tell you who's going to win. But right now, based on the riots across this country, based on what we're seeing, I will tell you this. The media, Michael Moore, they are making sure to shore up their defenses. They're making sure to tell every single person, don't count Trump out. He could still win. They did it yesterday. They do it today. And even Michael Moore says Trump is an evil genius. He could be lying in wait right now, feigning weakness so that you attack and he draws you into his trap. They're saying it. Why aren't you Trump supporters? I think both should be very wary, both sides. And this is going to be the election of a lifetime. The country is going to change forever after this election. We don't know who is going to win. We likely won't know for some time after election day. We might not even know after December 14th, the deadline for the Electoral College vote. And it may go to the House and no one could win because both sides claim to have won. And then chaos erupts. Or it could be a clean victory for either side. And no one dares question it. The margin's so huge, Biden wins in a landslide. The margin's so huge, Trump wins in a landslide. We just don't know. A lot of people think there's going to be a lot of cheating, and that's on both sides. So what can we do? I honestly do not know. I don't have to tell you, man. We're at a point now where the polarization in this country is so severe, I cannot imagine any circumstance where anyone believes the results. I can't. I'm sorry. That's just me. And I'm not saying to be pessimistic. I'm saying to be realistic. Joe Biden could win with 530 electoral votes. And of course, people wouldn't believe it. No way. There's too many Trump supporters. Okay, maybe he wins with, you know, 280. No way. How many votes got disqualified in the mail-in, you know, due to mail-in ballots? Same is true for Trump. Trump could sweep the country and people say, I don't believe it. I don't believe Trump won all of these votes. It makes no sense. I can't believe it. And then people get angry and people get violent. But I don't know what you can expect, man, because I can't see the future. I can only tell you this. Trump is, I wouldn't, hmm, is Trump a genius? I'd say so. I'm not going to pretend like Trump is the smartest person in the world, but he's certainly on the higher tier of intellect. And if you underestimate him left at your own peril, do it at your own peril. I will tell you this. Trump is a smart man. And I've, I've always been angry by people saying that Trump is an idiot. No, he's not. He may be impulsive, but the dude is smart. That's it. He's certainly done well for himself. He became president and a billionaire. You can argue that he was born a privilege. Don't care. Very few people become president. 45 people in the history of this country have become president. He's one of them. Underestimate him at your own peril. I got one more segment in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. Just the other day in Austin, Texas, 
A far left activist BLM supporter armed with an AK-47 style rifle approached a vehicle that was being quickly surrounded by other far leftists. According to some witnesses, he pointed his weapon at the vehicle. The driver pulled out his gun, fired several times. This man Garrett was shot three times and died. Someone else returned fire. The man sped away. The police arrested both. This far leftist armed with a rifle is being heralded as a hero. One high profile leftist, uh, high profile activist on the left said he was unarmed. He was the caretaker for a, a, a disabled woman of color and he was unarmed. That's not true. The dude had a rifle and, uh, and the witnesses say he was pointing it at an innocent guy in a vehicle in his car. Yet this guy now has a GoFundMe with over $100,000. The only reason he wasn't charged, perhaps, because he didn't make it. And it's sad to hear that he lost his life. But I bring you now to the cold, hard splash of reality. Welcome to your new world. Get on your knees and beg. The McCloskeys, the married couple who pulled out their guns to protect their home legally under castle doctrine, have been charged. And the, the, uh, the uh, attorney general of Missouri, in a, great, in, a, in a long thread, argued they had every right to warn this, this mob of individuals entering private property to stay off their property, yet they're being charged. And now what do we see? Kim Gardner seeks to stop Missouri attorney general from meddling in McCloskey gun case. Well, hold on there, partner. How can we have this story? Certainly the McCloskeys were within their right to brandish their weapons in such a way. Why is this Garrett individual who lost his life allowed to run up to a car, point a rifle at this man? And that's okay. Okay enough that GoFundMe would allow $107,000 to be raised for his estate. Why is that okay? Why is the far left celebrating this man? Why are they saying his life was stolen? Why are they saying he was murdered? But the McCloskeys, well, the McCloskeys are evil and they must be punished. You see how the game is played. They don't want to abolish the police. They want control of the police. We've seen all the videos where they say, arrest them, arrest them. You see the video where the woman in DC, I believe it was in DC, is driving and she encounters a protest. They block the road. She tries to drive through a gas station. So they jump onto her car to stop her and then demand the police arrest her. When they get injured, who do they call? The police. They do not really want to abolish the police. Abolishing the police is the first step towards getting their own morality police system. They call it reimagining the police, community policing. What that really means is intersectionalist far leftists enforcing things that are not laws. And this is the there's no perfect example. I see all these leftists on Facebook and they're saying these crazy people should not be allowed to brandish weapons post after post after post saying these are crazy people with guns. Lock them up. Take away their weapons. Justice must be served. What about this guy, Garrett, who ran up with a gun to a vehicle? What about this guy? Let me show you the photo. Let's not play any games here. There he is. You can see him right here. Red circle. He's got a rifle. He's holding it up. And many people said that makes it look like he is preparing to fire. This is still from a video where they ran up to the car. He's holding the grip and he's got it raised up. It's not resting down. He's raising it up. Witnesses said he pointed it at the vehicle and then was shot several times. How is he a hero and a martyr who was murdered instead of a violent lunatic who was attacking innocent people? I don't know. Let me make sure it's very clear for all of you. 
The McCloskeys are uh, apolitical. I mean, I think in 2016, they donated to Trump. I don't know if they have now or to Republicans. They are not belligerents in this cultural war. They are not some proud boys or far right activists. They were regular people eating dinner on their patio when a group of uh, a large mob of people entered their private property and according to the McCloskeys threatened them. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Doesn't matter. They were just regular people confronted by a mob. So they took out their weapons and they said, get away, back off, off our property. This guy, Garrett, was himself a belligerent. What I mean by that is he's an active participant in the cultural conflict. The man in the vehicle was not. He's just some dude, uninitiated, unaware, driving on the street in Austin, Texas. That man is evil. They called him a Nazi. You see how the game works. If these people are allowed to succeed, they will wield the power of the state against you and they will allow their extremists with rifles to point weapons at your face. And as this man drove away, someone shot at his car. Is how is how is this how is this possible? It's possible because these extremists don't actually tell you what they're trying to fight, what they're what they're trying to fight for. What they're really trying to do is gain power and they're manipulating our emotions and our good faith to get it. According to the St. Louis to St. Louis Today, Circuit Attorney Kimberly M. Gardner on Friday sought to stop Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt's controversial attempt to intervene in a high profile gun case against a wealthy St. Louis couple. Gardner, a Democrat, filed a motion Friday to strike the Republican Attorney General's controversial decision to ask that gun charges against Mark and Patricia McCloskey be dismissed over the state's long held interest in the right to bear arms. To be clear, this prosecution has nothing to do with the abridgment of any constitutional right, she wrote. If any part of our constitution is implicated, it's the First Amendment, which guarantees the rights of free uh, of rights of speech and assembly that cannot be said to be freely exercised when those who disagree with us resort to brandishing lethal weapons rather than engaging in civic discourse. Now, this, of course, is absolute bad faith and the the the, the abuse of power. You can't walk onto someone else's property and say, I have free speech to scream in your face. It doesn't work that way. You can stand just off their property, but people have a right to property, especially in Missouri. They can actually use, and this is a bit crazy, I got to admit, they can actually use lethal force to prevent you from entering their property. That to me was nuts. Yeah, the law is pretty severe. Gardner's filing was in response to Schmidt's brief Monday hours after Gardner charged the McCloskeys with felony unlawful use of a weapon for displaying guns in their, in their yard as protesters moved through the central West End to St. Louis Mayor Lita Cruzen's house. This is a frivolous motion, and we are sorry she is spending her time on motions such as this instead of prosecuting the violent criminals terrorizing the streets of St. Louis. Schmidt's initial brief said the extraordinary criminal case against the McCloskeys should be dismissed under the state's Castle Doctrine, which allows Missourians the right to defend themselves and their property. Schmidt, whose brief drew reactions across the political spectrum, defended the move this week, saying he thought it, quote, appropriate that I weigh in and to make the state's position known early. Gardner's filing Friday said Schmidt's brief read like a press release affixed with a legal sounding caption asking this court to serve as the attorney general's publicist. She outlined several reasons Schmidt's attempt to intervene should be stopped, that Schmidt is not a party to the case, that police have established sufficient probable cause of a crime, that Schmidt's self-defense argument is for a jury to decide, and that Schmidt is trying to usurp Gardner's prosecutorial, prosecutorial discretion. The McCloskey's first court hearing is set for August 31st before uh, Judge Michael Colonna. Gardner is running against former assistant prosecutor Mary Pat Carl 
in the August 4th Democratic primary in St. Louis. They say they've, they've updated the story. Now, listen, I'm not going to sit here. I'm not some big fancy city lawyer, but a humble space chicken, if you get the reference. I know nothing about law, same as the space chicken from Futurama. What I can tell you is that the far, the far left will pretend they are outraged the guns were wielded against them. And they will raise $100,000 for someone who would wield guns against you. Make no mistake, the man in that vehicle was not politically active. He was driving his car down the street. He was immediately surrounded by these far leftists, one of whom had a gun. We've all heard the stories in Provo. Somebody, somebody was shot driving their car. A woman at the end of May was pulled out of her car and brutally beaten. We've seen the stories going back to 1992 in the LA riots. What could this man think? But my life is in danger. And when he saw this man approaching him with a rifle, hand on the grip, as though he was preparing to fire, he said, not me, you. And he fired. And it was reasonably self-defense because he thought he was about to lose his life. And then someone in the crowd fired at him and he fled. The McCloskeys are you. The driver is you. People who are not involved in this conflict, people who are not marching in the streets, who are minding their own business in their homes or driving down the street, perhaps to get a burger or just to come home from work. And when you are targeted by these extremists, they will wield the power of the state against you. They will raise money for the man who threatened your life. I'm not saying he did it intentionally, like he went up and said, I'm going to do something to you. But you felt threatened. What do you do when they come to your home? What happens next? They went to the home of the McCloskeys. And now the McCloskeys are facing serious criminal charges. Serious charges. What do you do when they come to your home? This is why I can't believe that Joe Biden is going to win. You think this stuff just goes away? You need someone to enforce law and order and defend your rights. Joe Biden won't be that person. And I got to admit, rather unfortunately for disaffected liberals like myself, our only option seems to be Donald Trump. And it is quite annoying, to say the least. The Democratic Party has become a shell of whatever it was supposed to be. Or it is a shell of it was. I don't want to say it's become a shell of its former self because they're as bad as they've ever been. But they're certainly not the people here to defend our rights. They don't defend the workers and the small businesses. They don't defend the people. They defend the insurgent lunatics waving guns around. The McCloskeys were on their own property. That's the point. This guy was not. That's who they defend. They raise money for them. So I'll wrap it up there. The point of this segment is that the people being victimized are, are you. It's you. And if you stay silent and do nothing, they'll eventually come for you too, for your job, to your home, like the McCloskeys, or eventually they'll be surrounding your car. And like the guy in Provo, you'll get shot. Or in the guy in Texas, you'll stand up for yourself and then you'll be facing serious threats of violence because you killed their hero. I'll see you all tomorrow in the next segment at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out.